You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. Remember Uzziah, who wasn't a bad guy, he was carrying the ark and he stumbled and he literally died because of it. Mishandling God, holiest of holy places. So it says that they died and the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at just any time. In other words, don't just come willy-nilly into the holy of holies. And it's the same way when you come to church, really. You should come with an attitude of expectation. You shouldn't be thinking about just having a nice cup of coffee and looking at that girl you think you might want to marry. You should come because you're in the house of the Lord. And you should respect the house of the Lord. You should respect the ushers and the greeters and especially the pastors. Especially. <laughs> Don't just come willy-nilly into God's house. Come with a spirit of worship in a spirit of praise, in a spirit of prayer. And, and if somebody has a word, listen, I don't just let anybody get that microphone. If somebody has a word, I think about it for a second. Is this God? And then it's, if it's God, I'm like, yeah. It's not a willy-nilly thing. And 99.9% .9 of the time, I would never give the microphone to somebody I don't know or someone who isn't a leader in our church because I don't know what they're going to say. I've had people come in here that I never met before saying, I got a word for your church. And I said, I got a word for you. <laughs> You're in the wrong church. Tell them not to come in willy-nilly into inside the veil. See, on the, out, the, the, the whole tabernacle, had, it was a tent around four corners. I'm not going to get into it. Inside was the holiest place. Don't come in there. I mean, they tied a rope around the, the high priest for when he went to the Holy of Holies just in case he died. Because nobody was going in there. They would just pull him out. It's been a long time. I don't know what he's doing in there. There's no bathroom in there. I don't know. Let's pull him out. Because if he messed up, he didn't make it. How many of you would like to have been the high priest of Israel? <laughs> Tell him not to go willy-nilly there before the mercy seat or the kippereth, the covering, which is on the ark, lest he die, because I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. So we know the ark, when they carried the ark to the Jordan, remember they had it on the poles, and it looks like a, it looks like a throne. And, and God was literally enthroned on the praises of his people. And when they stepped into the Jordan, the water separated and when they would go into the battle with the ark, they would win almost every time. <laughs> and then so here's what would happen on Yom Kippur. The priest, he would take a bull to offer the blood. And that bull was for him, for the other Levites or the other priests and his family for their sin first. So he had to offer, offer an offering for him first even before he goes. Amen? Like, you know, before you worry about everybody else's sin. <laughs> Amen? So he would take a bull, and then he would take two goats that he would get from the people of Israel for their sins. And he would take those two goats, which came from them, and before he went in, he would draw lots. In other words, you know, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Not going to get into it. But one of them would be to sacrifice, and that blood would be brought into the Holy Holies. The other one would be the scapegoat, which we'll get into in a little bit. And then in verse 15, it says that you shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for all the people, bring its blood inside the veil, inside the Holy of Holies, the most holy place. And th there was a veil for a reason. Because if you looked in there on the ark, on the presence of God, without the remission of sins, without the smoke of the incense, you die. You die. So don't leave open the curtains. Amen? Imagine the high priest went in there, left open the curtains, and they opened the outer curtains, bah, you're dead. 
Remember Raiders of the Lost Ark? When they looked at the ark and they all died. That was an image of what we're looking at here. So, do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull. So, the blood of the bull, and, and I'm going to show you something in a second about when he went in, but he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel because of their transgressions for all of their sin. Everybody say, for all of their sin. Amen. So he would sacrifice the bull for his sin, get him clean first before he can offer the goat, which is the sacrifice for all of their sin. It was the goat that he got from the people. And here is how he would go into the Holy of Holies. Because first of all, he can't go face first and open the veil. You're dead. So he would go in sideways. Sideways. And he would drop. He was supposed to take coals and incense into the Holy of Holies with him. He would take the hot coals, put them on the ground, and then take two handfuls of incense, drop it there. It was almost like a magician's trick. He would drop it there, and the place would be filled with smoke. Then he could go in first with the blood of the bull, sprinkle it on the east side of the ark, and then on the mercy seat, on the kippur. He would sprinkle the blood to cover, to kippur, the kippureth. They're both of the same word. It's really cool. Cover the covering. Then he would come back out, smoke still going, and he would get the blood from the goat, go back in, sprinkle it on the right, cover for the sins of the people. Amen? Then he would come out and take the rest of the blood and cover everything in the outer part of the tabernacle because everything needed to be clean before anybody else could come in there. And they did this every year. Every year. Then the high priest, it's a bloody thing, isn't it? Then the high priest would put his hands on the goat that was still alive. It was called the scapegoat. Any of you ever make somebody else the scapegoat? Yeah. <laughs> when I call my staff in every week, I'm like, who left the projector on? And immediately they see Grace turn her head this way. Joey turns his head this way. And Jewel's like, I wasn't here. Somebody did it. But he would, he would, and he would literally confess all the trespasses, transgresses, transgresses, transgresses and sins of all of Israel. Boy, that must have been a long one. Imagine that. Let me confess all the sins of the people from Grace Church and put it on this poor goat. Now I feel bad for the goat. And then they would send that goat out. And another person would go with the goat to make sure it got out of town. And later on, as it got closer to the time of Jesus, they would literally throw the goat off the cliff because they didn't want it to come back. There were times, oh, the goat's coming back. <laughs> Our sin's coming back. Get that goat out of here. And the rabbis, what they did is they would wrap a tikva. Anybody know what a tikva is? It's in scripture. It's a red cord. And, and the rabbis would wrap a red cord around the ear of the goat. And they said that when it went out into the wilderness, eventually that it would turn to white, which fulfills Isaiah, which says, your sins that were scarlet are white as snow. And this is what they said. I'm preaching this whole message to you for one reason, to let you know that God's got you covered. No matter what you're going through right now, God's got you covered. So in Hebrews chapter 9, the book of Hebrews is like a commentary of Yom Kippur. You want to understand Yom Kippur? A whole, almost book of the New Testament is literally dedicated to it. So to say that we shouldn't be preaching from the Old Testament like some people are saying is ridiculous. Jesus didn't come to eliminate the law. He came to fulfill it. All we read about and all we see here, it's a shadow of, you know, when God, before they made the tabernacle and the Holy of Holies, God gave Moses a vision of what it looked like in heaven. He was like a copy of what was in heaven. Woo! In Hebrews chapter 9, 
Even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service. For a tabernacle was prepared. The first part and the outer part was a lampstand, table, showbread. That's the sanctuary. Behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, it's called the holiest of all or the holy of holies. And in there was a golden censer, Ark of the Covenant, overlaid in gold. And inside of it were the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenants. And above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Now when these things had been prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle, performing the services. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year. Not without blood, though, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins. You see that? That was the blood of the bull. The Holy Spirit indicating that this is the way into the holiest. But it was not made totally manifest by that first tabernacle. It was symbolic for the present time in which gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make him or perform the service perfect in regard to the conscience concerning foods and drinks, various washings and ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. In other words, all that was done then and all that was done at that current time was not enough. Verse 11, but Christ came as the high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands that is not of this creation. In other words, when Jesus went into the tabernacle, it wasn't the one on earth. It was the one that God showed Moses way back when. And he didn't go with the blood of bulls, goats, and calves, but with his own blood. He entered that most holy place once and for all. Not to go back every year. Having obtained eternal redemption. For, I love this. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. So if a bull's blood, a goat's blood, a burnt offering could purify the flesh for a year, how much more? Oh, let me say that again. How much more, how much more shall the blood of Jesus, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? How much more when Jesus went into the tabernacle in heaven and literally took his own blood and sprinkled it on the east side and sprinkled it on the mercy seat. He did Yom Kippur forever. No need to go back anymore. He did it. He finished it. Listen to this. Remember those rabbis? They put the, the tikva on the ear of the goat. This is what the rabbis say. Not what I say, not what Christians say, not what some uh, uh, Christian Catholic uh, history book says. They say that 40 years before the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, that for the first time when they sent the scapegoat out with the red tikva on its ear, that it stopped turning white. It turned white no more. You know why? Because Jesus, 40 years before the destruction of the temple, the destruction of the temple was 70 A.D., 40 years before was Jesus' ministry of reconciliation. He offered his blood, the end of it all. The veil was torn. There was no need anymore. It was all done. It was finished. He is the high priest. Look at this. There's more. Hebrews chapter 7. Hallelujah. For such a high priest, Jesus was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. Who doesn't need daily as those priests to offer up sacrifice? First for his own sins, like when the high priest offered the bull. And then for the peoples. For this he did 
everybody say, once and for all. Let's try that again. Once and for all. Let's try it one more time. Once and for all. When we were taking communion, you had no idea. When we were singing, we had no idea, but the theme, the words, it's all pointing to that, that he did it. Why are we trying to do it? He did it. He's got us covered. For the law appoints as a high priest men who have weakness. We can't do it. We did our best. We killed the bull. We killed the goat. We sprinkled it around. Sometimes we made it. Sometimes we didn't. But the word of the Lord, which came after the law, appoints Jesus, who has been perfected for how long? Forever, forever, forever. You mean I don't have to try anymore, Pastor Kevin? I don't have to try anymore. I don't have to. Like that effort is covered in the blood of Jesus. You mean he died on the cross and I can be healed because he took the pain in his body, Pastor John? Come on now. Come on now. It's done. It is finished. Now listen, just like that high priest, the high priest, first, first things first, he had to go in with the blood of a bull, remember? Jesus went with his own blood. Secondly, we see another thing. Jesus went alone. The high priest went alone. Amen? Jesus, the high priest, went beyond the veil and he put the cloud so he couldn't see. Jesus died and the veil tore so everybody could see. Because he did it for good. And later I'm going to show you the best example of Jesus and the high priest. But I want you to understand, when Jesus went to that heavenly tabernacle, he took his own blood. His own blood. Now the old preachers say, and I believe the old preachers, but I'm not going to get into a theological argument with you today. But the old preachers say that he literally took his blood. Now I don't know why there would be a tabernacle in heaven and why he wouldn't bring his blood there. I don't know why. That should be spiritualized or said that that didn't happen or it's just a story about him. No, no. I believe that Jesus took his blood up into that tabernacle in heaven. And like I said, I believe, I'm old school, okay? I believe that that blood was divine blood. I've done my studying. You know, I, I talked to people who, uh, you know, went to Bible school for 40 years. I have a brother, and I have friends, and, you know, you just talk to people. And you know what? Nobody's got a corner on the truth. We all agree that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And there's a lot of other stuff. But there's some certain really important stuff <laughs> that we all need to agree with. That's why you should go to our foundations class and understand we don't believe in sacrificing chickens um, or some certain things. You want to know something funny? After the temple was destroyed and they didn't have a place to sacrifice anymore. For a while, Jews would actually sacrifice chickens for the blood. Because, as we heard here today, there's no remission of sins without some kind of blood. So they actually got into that chicken thing. I don't know if that's where Santeria came from. I don't know, but very interesting. Amen. But we know... That blood comes through the Father. We know that we have sin. It never says because of Eve. It says because of Adam. Because the Father's seed, you know, people, there's an egg, but without the Father's seed, there is no life, there is no blood. And when a fetus grows up, and how many of you here are pregnant right now? You don't, you're pregnant, you don't want to say nothing, right? Yeah. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> Some guy raised his hand in the back. I'm not talking about in vitro, okay? <laughs> Just kidding. I saw on like some internet thing this guy's pregnant. I'm like, no, he's not. He's crazy. Anyway, <laughs> we know that it was through the blood of Adam that we received sin. The Bible says that life is in the blood. Amen? Guess what happens if you get a cut and you keep bleeding? You die. That's why when somebody gets a wound, they're right away tying you up. Because if the blood leaves you, the life leaves you. Amen? And God said to change, since the wages of sin is death, I need a life to be sacrificed. 
to make up for the life, the death that you're supposed to have. But Jesus died for all of us so that none of us would have to die. If you believe in him, you'll never die. Do you believe that? Amen. So, here comes Mary. Virgin Mary. How many of you know Mary was a virgin when she had a baby? How many of you know that's crazy? You know, it's funny, but people can't believe that Jesus walked on water. They can't believe he raised Lazarus from the dead. They can't believe that he opened the eyes of the blind. But they'll bet their life that Jesus was born of a virgin. I mean, what is more miraculous? Has anybody else been born of a virgin ever? Is it even possible without a seed for the egg to conceive? No! Everybody say amen! <laughs> so if you believe in the immaculate conception, don't stop there. Because that's the hardest thing to believe. I believe you, Joseph had a tough time believing it too. What'd you say, honey? <laughs> Dang. Oh, the Holy Spirit will talk to you, huh? What's his name? You know what I'm saying? I think Joseph was a little freaked out. It says the Holy, Holy Spirit overshadowed her, and something happened there. And a fetus, uh, there was conception in her womb, and a fetus, you know, do I even have to get into abortion now? Hello. If there was abortion, we might have not had a savior back then. They would have probably sought an abortion. Oh, somebody's getting upset right now. Yeah, think about that. Think about that for a second. When the Holy Spirit overshadowed her, was it a pus pull? Oh, I don't even want to go here. Okay, let me back. God's got you covered. He's doing great things. Praise God. Because <laughs> that thing really bothers me. But anyway. Um, so, so here's this, this life growing in Mary's womb. And it's a known physical fact. It's a known medical fact that the blood of the mom and the fetus do not intermingle. Let me try that for you again. You can go Google it if you want. The blood of the fetus and the blood of the mom never intermingle. So that fetus was a form of flesh, and it had, a, it had blood in it. It had life in it. Where did that come from? When they say the precious blood of Jesus, I take it more than it was just red, and it had whatever they have in blood. Yes, he was God and man. He was man in the flesh, but he had the life of God in him. And he never sinned. And that precious blood is what he poured out on the final Yom Kippur. The blood that covered the covering. And it was all over with. You see, Jesus is the high priest. He's got you covered. Amen? Yeah. And we're going to get to the, the, the second half of the message right now. Because I want you to show you what he's got you covered from. Now, in Hebrews chapter 9, in verse 3, it says, The second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holies of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant, overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's bud that had rod that had budded, and tablets of the covenant. Now these three, three things are in the ark. And why are they there? Well, they're to remind the Israelites of where they failed. You see, the reason they had to put blood over the cover of the ark was because of what was in the ark. The manna represented what? Well, you had a million Jews in a desert hungry. Now, I'm a half a Jew, and when I'm hungry, I get ornery. I mean, uh, you got a million Jews in a desert hungry, and all of a sudden, it's, they started to do what? What do you do when you get hungry? What do you do when you get hungry, hon? My wife never complains. She's like an angel and everything. But if she goes, like if she's missing a meal, she's like, I'm hungry. I'm like, so am I. No, no, you don't understand. I'm hungry. 
Now you pull over on the side shoulder of this road and you give me food. You know what I'm talking about? Like any of you, like when you get just a little hungry, you miss a little bit. Come on, raise your hand, be honest. There you go. Ladies in there. What is it with you ladies? It's mostly ladies here. But it's the only time, and I'm like, what's, like the only time she's a little bothered, I go, you must be hungry. <laughs> like, what's bothering you? You know, so could you imagine, they're out in the desert, there's no signs of food around. It's like, hey! So what does God do? He goes, all right, Moses, they're going to get mad at every day. But just enough for the day. You want to complain? I'm going to make you have to trust me. For every day. And I'm going to give you the same thing to eat. Oh, gosh. Imagine that. Last what you know, my, my kids did a real, a friend for our neighbor. Our, our neighbor is Scala Bakery over here. And whenever they do a favor for her, guess what happens? We get something. It's a little card. And then there's a box, a white box with that twine around it and the cross. It's a sign of the cross. You ever see it? There's, do you know what I'm talking? You know what that is, right? The white box with the cross on it, right? You know what that? That's Italian cookies, is what that is. That's manna. Because once I get a hold of one Italian cookie, it's trouble. I'm still paying for it right now. Um, you, how many of you know what I mean? Those crunchy Italian cookies—they all look different, but you know what? Don't say it too loud. Scallops over there. That's why some people don't like them, you know what I mean? They're just like crunchy, and, 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 and like you have three of them, and you're like, why did I do that? Oh my God! But the manna was the same every day. You know what? Let's not focus on what we don't have. Let's focus on what we do have. Hallelujah. First of all, there's nobody here that eats the same food every day. Somebody say amen. I mean, we are so blessed. It's like, filet mignon again? Didn't we have that last night, honey? I can't eat another lobster tail. We had chicken the other day. I'm running out of meats. Can somebody give me an idea? But manna every day, they complained. But you know, they were so close to the promised land, the place, the land that was flowing with milk and honey. Secondly, in that, in that Ark of the Covenant was Aaron's staff or rod. And that reminded the Israelites about the time that they rebelled against the authority that God put in place. I'm going to tell you this, the biggest problem in the body of Christ, the biggest problem with these millennials is they don't understand authority because their parents have just been way too darn nice to them. Somebody say Amen. Right here in the front row. We're too nice to these kids. They can go out with $5 and eat till they die. I was eating ketchup sandwiches, mustard sandwiches, and for dessert it was toothpaste sandwiches. So I don't want to hear any more complaints from any of you about anything. Back in the 60s and 70s, we were all skinny. Look at the film. Look. Watch some old, like, NBA or NFL. You know, I show my son the NBA. He goes, what's the matter with those people? They look like malnutrition. No, that's how we work. <laughs> We're so blessed right now. Yet sometimes we still complain. Amen. But authority, and everybody's teaching you to rebel against authority. Don't listen to it. It'll mess you up. I'm telling you right now. We have someone close to us, and Dave and I have worked for a long time. They got a job. We were so happy for this person. We were a little concerned about the place where they got the job, but we were happy for this person. Ten days later, oh, yeah, I lost my job. We knew right away what happened. This person went in there on our day two, started telling everybody there how to do their job. And we need this machine, and we need that thing, and we, it doesn't work that way, everybody. The greatest faith that Jesus recognized was the centurion's faith, and his understanding was of authority. 
You'll never be able to use the authority of Jesus' name. You'll never be in a position of authority until you've learned to submit to authority. Hello? You'll never do it. You're wasting your time. That's why we sent my son out to Australia to learn about authority. Now he's come back. And he calls me Pastor Joe. <laughs> but no, he said, I'm here to serve you and make your life easier. And I said, yes, you are. <laughs> You know what, because a lot of us, we were are more, you know, in our generation, we were more lenient on our kids for some reasons because of this. It's the enemy. He doesn't want them to take over with all power and authority. But these millennials, they're getting it. Aren't you guys? Yeah. And these youth are getting it. Aren't you guys? To submit to authority is the greatest blessing you'll ever know. Jesus said, I only do what my father says to do, and I only say what my father says to say. You think Jesus was prosperous in his life? You think he was following God? Amen? You think he's a good example? Then take the same example. Let me tell you something about my career on Wall Street as a high school dropout. You think I went in there in the first day and said, listen, I know how to do this better than you. Of course not. I thank God that I was a high school dropout. I thank God. You know why? Because when I went into that job, I, I was like, I don't know nothing. What do you want me to do? What can I do to make you happy? Because you're the one that holds my fate in your hands. You want coffee? I'll get you coffee. You want me to run around in circles? I'll run around in circles. You want, I, when I was a, tr a clerk on the trading floor, I had this boss that treated me so bad. I used to come on leash. I was crying. This guy was making me get his dry cleaning. This guy was like all stuff I wasn't supposed to be doing. But it wasn't but two years later that I got his position and he was asking me for a job. And then I was at my next job under a boss who treated me like dirt. And the Lord said to me, he said, look at David. David was under Saul. And at the same time, I was under a pastor that wasn't really nice to me. But you know what God said? He said, you stay submitted. You Listen, even when the leadership isn't treating you right, you don't cut off the... David could have killed Saul so many times. He said, I will not touch it. I will not touch God's anointed. Listen, when you mess with an usher here, you mess with a leader here, you mess with a pastor here, you're not messing with them. You're messing with God. And I'm not saying this to be authoritative or in any other way because I never talk about this uh, enough, but this is so important that I can't hold it back from you. So like David, I went through it, and I went through it because you know what? I knew my faith was not in those people. My faith was in God's. And when I was man of living on my job, and, and that boss was treating me bad, my wife would say, listen, it's not up to them. It's up to him. Don't worry about it. God will take care of you in due time. Give us this day our daily bread. Submit to authority, and one day you'll have authority. And guess who I ended up like David? It took 13 years, but David finally got onto the throne of the kingdom from Saul. Saul, his pastor, his leader, used to invite him over the house, serve him like surf and turf, and then take a, a spear out and go, boom, and try to kill him. Imagine that. Imagine he came over to my house. And I was, under, I was grilling up, and I made you delicious food, and you were sitting down, and I took out a knife, like, okay, don't move. You fattened up and up. Whoa. This is literally what Saul did to him. And later on, when Saul was in a cave and didn't know anybody was around, and David was right there, and David's friend said, look, take the sword, do it now, kill him. He said, I will not. I will not. I will not. So let me tell you something. Be very careful what you do. Amen? Be very careful what you do. Now, I didn't know that I was uh, one day I would be a pastor in the church in a position of authority. It is a position of authority. It's not a dictator kind of thing, but it's a pastor to lead people. I never knew that was going to happen, but I knew one thing, that I was going to submit in whatever situation I was in, because that's what God has called me to do. And you know, my brother who, uh, 
he's a doctor of theology, he's a professor, he studies the Bible more than anybody I know, and uh, he was in a church, a brethren church. Now in a brethren church, they get a bunch of the leaders together and they try to make decisions with like 10 people. Like, let's make a decision. How do you think that goes? With no chairman or nobody to make the final decision, nobody to take the responsibility. They go back and forth for years and never do anything. And I would look to that and say, oh, if my brother's involved, then that must be the model. That must be how it works. You know, I'm a new Christian. I don't know. A couple of years ago, my brother came to me. What are you talking about? He goes, the way you guys have it at Grace Church is phenomenal. I would never do it this way, ever. And you know why? Because it's not called the democratic kingdom of God. It's called the kingdom of God. Wait, let me, let me try that again. We don't vote. Imagine we had like things in the chairs where you vote, okay? What songs would you like to hear today? You know what I mean? And then we go up, tallied up, hey, Pastor Kev, wait a minute, that's, that's, that's Beyonce. No, 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 we don't. Is adultery sin? We got a few no's. I mean, you can't. It, it, it's a kingdom. And when you understand that and get yourself in the kingdom and get yourself into a place of submission, eventually you'll have authority and you'll actually know how to use it and you won't pe treat people like dirt. I always say, don't give somebody keys to the building that's never submitted to the owner. You ever go to somebody's like, you know, uh, I play basketball at this place and this guy, it's like, so who gave this guy the keys? He's always coming in to yell us for, uh, for nothing. Because some people, when they get a position of authority, they don't know how to handle it because they never submitted to authority in the first place. So you people that want to bounce around from church to church and find some church where there's no authority, go right ahead. You're going to be in a big mess. I'm going to tell you that right now, and I don't want to spend any more time in that. Just listen to what I say. Uh, <laughs> finally... <laughs> Somebody's getting mad right now. <laughs> Finally, in the ark were the tablets of stone that were broken. Remember, remember, when Moses went up the mountain, and it's really not like that here, is it? It's all about grace, right? Speaking of grace, like grace that works for me, it's like, can I take next Thursday off? Yeah. Can I take next Tuesday off? Yeah. Can I? And Jules, can I get my teeth taken out? Yeah. Can I jump up and down on the trampoline? Yeah. I, you know, it's not, it's not like a dictatorship here. It's nothing like that. It's all about grace. But if you see someone that's a leader, respect them. You need somebody to speak into your life. You need somebody to respect. You know, we love to send our youth to, you know, youth group. You know, when I used to send my teens to youth group, it was like the youth leader would say, like, you know, my kids, because they were the pastor's kids. Sometimes the youth leader would say to the kid, like, do this, and, and I'm not going to say whose name, Joey, uh, would go like this. I'm the pastor's son. I don't have to do nothing. Man, if I ever heard that, and when I did, it was like, oh. So we like, we like our kids to listen, don't we? Maybe they're not listening because we don't. You know, people love authority when authority is telling them what they want to hear. But that when they want to correct them and give them wisdom. Uh, get, get, understand this, you don't know everything. And I don't know anything. I have authority in my life as well. But we all have to submit, and we submit to one another. But we submit to the people that God has put in place. Look what happened with a lack of authority. Moses said, listen, I'm going up to the mountain. I'll be right back. God wants to talk to me. He got, he wants, he's got something for you. So Moses goes up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. Remember, they were written in tablets of stone. Comes back down. Joshua goes, I hear noise in the camp. And that wasn't war. It was more like a rave party. They had built a golden calf. They broke the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And Moses got so mad that he broke them in half. And that's what ended up getting put in the ark. Because they broke the law. We have all broken the law. 
So all of this stuff is in the ark, the complaining about provision, the, 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 the lack of submitting to authority, the total breaking of God's laws, all in there. That's why they couldn't look at it. And that's why if God looked at it, eventually he, would, he couldn't forgive any of us. So every year the high priest would come in and pour that blood, the blood, you know, to cover a life for a life for the sins, confess the sins, the scapegoat goes. So God wouldn't, when God looked down at the ark, he would see the blood, he would see the sacrifice. And finally, Jesus put his blood there to finally seal the deal. In 2 Corinthians 5.20 it says, he who knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. You know, you heard it throughout today's service that there's nothing we can do. He did it all. He's the high priest. He did it all. And then John 1, verse 29, John the Baptist said, when he saw Jesus, he said, look, the one that takes away the sin of the world. There's the scapegoat, takes away the sin of the world. Psalm 103 says that God, as far as the east is from the west. You know how far the east is from the west? It's a never-ending distance. If Robert is going that way and I'm going this way, we'll never meet, unless we go around the world. But obviously we're not. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. The scapegoat is taken away. The blood has covered it. God has got you covered. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> the high priest, right, he would take the incense, drop it on the coals so that the Holy of Holies would fill with smoke. Why? So he couldn't look on the sin. It would kill him. If he looked and saw God and who he was, he dies. In the same way, we shouldn't look at what we don't have. We shouldn't look at the mistakes we've made. We shouldn't look at the laws we've broken. We need to look to the high priest Jesus who has overcome it all, who has covered our sins, the author and finisher of our faith. You know what happens if you look at that stuff too long? It will kill you. 1 Samuel 6.19 The men of Beth Shemesh got a hold of the ark and they looked into it. And 50,070 of them were struck dead. This is lost, Raiders of the Lost Ark on steroids, amen? If you look at your mistakes, if you look on your lack, if you look on your sickness, if you look on your shortcomings long enough, it'll kill you. If you look at your broken marriage, if you look at your broken relationships, if you look at all the negativity surrounding you long enough, eventually it will kill you. No, you need to look at the one who has overcome it all, the one who has covered everything. Look to him. Look to his blood. He did it all. The final thing about Jesus, the high priest. Where is he right now? Where's the high priest right now? Let me tell you something about that tabernacle on earth. There were no sofas, no beds, no chairs there. You know why? Because the priest's work was never done. Constantly with the blood. Constantly moving around. Couldn't stay in there for too long. Couldn't take a nap in there. Couldn't watch TV with cheese doodles in there. It's a holy place. Nowhere to sit. Because his work was never done. And when he was done, he would leave. But Jesus took his blood, put it on the holy seat, and then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Because he in when Mary first saw the risen Jesus she said don't touch me I haven't ascended to my father yet 
I haven't gone into the Holy of Holies yet. I haven't finished what I have to finish with the blood of Jesus. Don't touch me. Nothing unclean can go in there. I'm going there to pour out my blood to finish it. And now where is he seated? He's seated at the right hand of the Father, forever making intercession for us. And because of it, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, it says this. Let us boldly, everybody say boldly, approach the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. And I'm not talking, I found grace. She's right here. All right. But um, that's not the kind of grace we're talking about here. We're talking about favor. Favor in our time of need. How many of you are in a time of need right now? You need a financial breakthrough. You need a healing in your body. Your marriage needs help. There's a relationship that is broken that needs to be fixed. You're depressed, oppressed. You have a need. I'll tell you something. If you have a need, you're in the right place. Because God's all about needs. If you don't need him, he's all about needs. He's about meeting needs, whatever the need is. Jesus went through all that. Why? So we can come boldly to the throne. Because the veil is torn, we have access to be face-to-face with God. Because of what the high priest did. There might be somebody here that doesn't know Jesus and has never allowed that blood to cover their sins. I want to plead the blood over your life right now. You know, the old preachers used to say, plead the blood of Jesus. You know what they were talking about? The blood that was poured out on the mercy seat. I plead that blood that covers over every sin and every sickness and every disease and poverty and lack and brokenness and everything. I plead the blood of Jesus to cover all of that. He can cover your life right now. So close your eyes right now. Bow your heads with me. If you never really put your faith in Jesus... During communion, Pastor Kevin said, without the blood, you got nothing. Because the blood is of the new covenant that covers your sin. When that blood covers you, God sees it no more. You start a whole new life. So let's put our faith and trust in what Jesus did. The high priest that finished it forever. And we do it by praying. So say this with me. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross, and he took his blood and poured it on the mercy seat. It covers my sin, and then you raise him from the dead, that I might have a new life. Jesus, make me brand new. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Change me. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Every eyes closed, head bowed. If you said that prayer for the first time, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You want that blood to cover your sins from now and forevermore. I want you to raise your hand right now. You put your faith and trust in Jesus for the first time. Amen. Hallelujah. I pray that everybody here has put their faith and trust in Jesus. If you have a need and you want to plead, I said if you have a need, and you want to plead with God and come to his throne of grace boldly. Get up out of your seat right now. Come to the front. If you have a need, he wants to meet your need right now. Get up out of your seat and come to the front. If you have a need, come to his throne of grace. Let me tell you something. The tabernacle is also a shadow of the church. I said the tabernacle is also a shadow of the church. On the outer part of the tabernacle, it's called the sanctuary. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then there's an altar. And you know what goes on in heaven? There's a worship team. And they praise 24-7. Amen? And Jesus is there interceding. And his blood, like the blood of Abel, his blood cries out. 
and it says, it is finished, it is done. Plead for your need. I plead the blood of Jesus for your need. First of all, if Satan is attacking anyone here in this sanctuary, right now I say this, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. We used to sing that song, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. And Jesus will give you the victory. And what does it mean? You know, when the high priest was finished putting all that blood on there, he would come out of the Holy of Holies. And then he would come out of the sanctuary. And all the people of Israel would be waiting for there. And he would say, it is finished. And they would all go crazy because they had the victory. The same way Jesus went into the sanctuary. And he comes out revealed as the Messiah. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. But Jesus has given us the victory. He has covered it all. So right now, everybody up here, I want you to think about what your need is right now before we pray over you. Because I want to speak a word over you before our prayer team prays for you right now. And we're open. If, you, if, you, if, there, if your heart is, if you have a need in your heart and you're still out there, you can come up. Because guess what? It's all finished. <laughs> but if everybody up here would just Hold their hands out for a second. Release. The word for forgiveness, the word for releasing of sins in the Hebrew is shalach. Listen, you cannot receive until you release people you might be mad at right now. If you're holding something against someone, release it right now. Release. See, when you close your fists, it means you're angry and you're holding on to unforgiveness. But when you let go, when you open your hand, you're releasing it. Right now, you release it. So God can release something into you. Hallelujah. When we plead the blood, we're saying, Jesus, you did it all. You got my situation covered. You got my situation covered. I want you to think right now about your situation, but don't look at it anymore. Look at the blood. Look at Jesus. Look at him in the Holy of Holies. Pouring out the blood, saying, I got you covered. It's over. I've done it. Nothing, no weapon formed against you can prosper. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Right now, I plead the blood of Jesus on your situation. I plead the blood over poverty and lack. I plead the blood over depression and oppression. I plead the blood over sickness in the body. I plead the blood over fear and depression and doubt. Right now, I plead the blood of Jesus. He's got you covered. He's got you covered. 